All right, everybody, I want to thank you for joining us again for another edition of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I'm your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm excited again for just another conversation, another chance to talk to an amazing servant leader about servant leadership and about how faith is important in the sports world. Today, we have servant leader Coach Cal Cochran with us, and I'm super excited because we actually, the question he asked before we got started, he's like, talk to me how we got connected again. And one of the biggest things this pandemic has done over the past year is truly shown individuals how God can connect people and allow people to cross their paths for his mission. So this mission unified us tonight. I'm super excited to hear this message. We've been talking about the servant leaders arsenal. We've been doing that in our year anniversary month of April for this platform. And I know this brother has an amazing word. He says specifically to me, Chelsea, I'm just a mouthpiece. And when people are humble like that, you already know they got something to bring to the table. So thank you so much for your time. Time is the one thing people give that you can't give back. I can't return it to you, but just know I'm thankful for you. So I'm gonna go ahead and pass the torch to you, coach. I'm excited to hear from you today. And I'm gonna go ahead and let you introduce yourself to our listeners. Hey, Coach Chelsea, I appreciate it. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you and with, uh, I want to say the team. That's uh, it. I, I like to look at the, the army of God as a team and, and God is the head coach and we're all trying to play our role in this process. Uh, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee and, you know, my parents uh, really are my role models, my mom and my dad. And uh, I just appreciate them uh, exposing me to the word of God at a real early age. And uh, I had great Sunday school teachers. And one of them kind of just sticks in my mind all the time is Miss Pauline. And that's probably where I got my public speaking in because Miss Pauline would have us read a scripture and then uh, you'd have to expound on it. What does it mean to you? And from that experience, I learned how to read the Bible and I learned how to stand up before people and share what the word of God meant to me. Now, that was my introduction of having a personal relationship with Christ. And I think from that point in time, it kind of dawned on me that that's really what it's all about. It's about us having a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, Going to church was probably my habit for maybe 20 years. until I decided that, man, I really don't have a personal relationship with Christ. I was just a churchian. And a churchian is somebody that just goes to church and they practice the traditions and there's no uh, real connection uh, with Christ outside of that church context of singing the songs and maybe praying the prayers and reading the scripture on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, there was something else totally going on. And so I spent that first 20 years of my life just being a churchian. And it was my senior year in college that, man, I found myself at the end of my basketball career at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, uh, being a point guard and a captain. And when I took off my jersey for the last time, I began to kind of wonder what my purpose was because I'm no longer a college, a Division I college point guard. What am I going to do with my life? And so for the next, I want to say 12 months, that question kept coming uh, in my mind. And I was going back and forth to my church, uh, Pastor Lamar Gilbert at St. Peter's Baptist Church, um, preached a sermon one night and one afternoon, and it was uh, 
standing at the crossroads. I will never forget it. And it was a passage of scripture in um, the Old Testament, First uh, Kings eighteen twenty one, and the prophet was sharing to the people of God, "How long will you hold out between two opinions? Will you serve God or idol gods?" Well, I probably had a bunch of idol gods back in my college days, um, but I think the number one was just myself that I wanted to please myself, and whatever that took on that was my goal and so but when he shared that message I went back to my dorm room uh, that evening and it just began to lay on my heart real heavy that I've been holding out between two opinions do I really want to serve God because that's what the servant leader does it doesn't just he doesn't just serve or she doesn't just serve people they're servants of God and um, you know before I closed my eyes that night I can remember calling out to God in a real uh sincere voice saying Lord I want to make sure that I'm no longer serving idol gods I want to serve you and so it was that night it really um was a I want to say an epiphany that God sent his son Christ to down the cross for us in our place and he removed the debt of sin that we owe because the wages of sin is death. It's a spiritual separation from God. And I was spiritually separated from God, even though I had spent, you know, two decades of just going to church and hearing about God. But it's a different thing to, uh, you know, maybe talk to God uh, from a, I want to say stranger, because you don't know him. You're not in a personal relationship with him than when you're in a personal relationship with him. And so that night I entered into a personal relationship with him and I got baptized uh, when I was 21 years old. And it was one of the greatest experiences. I know there was a lot of people in my church saying, man, you've been in church all your life. How, why do you need to be baptized? You were baptized at eight years old. But I knew in my heart that I did not have a personal relationship with Christ, that if I were to die that night, that I would spend eternity separated from him. And to me, that meant I would be separated from anything that was good. And so we think that, you know, eating good food is good. Well, I would be separated from that. Or, you know, having, you know, a good bed to sleep in, I would be separated from that. Having a roof over your head, all of the good things that I would be separated from apart from Christ. So, um, that's when I began my human journey toward having a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, when I graduated with a degree in business administration, I immediately started coaching. And I was 22 years old at that time. And I started coaching at the University of Montebello in uh, Montebello, Alabama. It was probably about 30 minutes south of Birmingham, Alabama. And that was my introduction to biblical fellowship, which is one of the pillars of every young Christian is to be around other Christians where they can grow in that koinonia, what the, in the Greek is what it's called, where you can have fellowship, uh, where iron sharpens iron. Uh, we want to be those type of individuals that, man, we want to be on fire for the Lord, and we want to be encouraged to walk with the Lord day in and day out and stay close to the Lord, and so I began to have that kind of fellowship with other young Christian believers while I was in graduate school. 
And there was a fellow that came to me by the name of Juan Chastain. And he challenged me to a discipling relationship. And um, everybody's kind of familiar with how Jesus challenged his disciples in Matthew 419. And he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. And so Jesus' command was to, hey, y'all follow me and I'll teach you how to fish for people. And those guys by trade were fishermen. So the analysis and the analogy was really close to their profession. And for me and Juan, we began that relationship about following Jesus. And the, the code was build a strong personal relationship with Christ. Build a strong personal relationship with Christ. Uh, because there's going to be lots of temptation for every Christian. Lots of challenges, lots of hardships, lots of trials, lots of tribulation uh, throughout your Christian life. So becoming a Christian doesn't eliminate those, but it gives you the basis for the kind of life that Jesus led. Because Jesus led a life of trials and tribulation. Um, he was born to die. It's exactly what it says in Matthew 121, uh, that they gave him the name of Jesus because he would die for the people's sins. And so from that relationship, I learned several principles that I had already been practicing. But, you know, sometimes you want to codify or have terminology or Christian jargon. And I think we lose people sometimes with our Christian jargon. Uh, but, you know, the first thing was you need biblical fellowship. And that was the disciple relationship that we had established. But then the next thing was, you know, you need to learn how to divide the word of God, how to read, uh, how to, to study, how to meditate, how to memorize, and how to um, really make God's word to get a grip on God's word. And I wanted to kind of give an illustration on that uh, because when you read the word of God, I would liken it to be maybe just your thumb. And then you need to hear the word of God. And really, somebody could snatch this out of your hand if this is all that you're doing in your time alone with God. But then we need to memorize the word of God. So maybe now I've got three fingers on that. And then maybe we need to study the word of God. So now I've got four fingers on this Bible. And then I say the fifth finger would be to meditate, meaning that my thoughts all through my day, moment by moment, surrendering to the voice of God. Now, this is the Bible, the word of God, called the Vode in, in Latin, or the voice of God. So I want to be listening to God's voice all through my day. And so when I begin to get a strong grip on God's word, I begin to get closer to Jesus. I begin to really develop that strong personal relationship with Christ. And he became more than just uh, a symbol on a cross around people's neck. It was like, okay, now here is someone who is interested in my human journey. Um, when I became a Christian, I like to give the analogy that, you know, we all have a human spirit. But the Holy Spirit comes into our life in the person of Christ, and it joins our human spirit. And so in that union, we become God's children. We are adopted into his family. And when we are adopted into God's family, we're able to really walk with God. And that's really what the goal is, is to walk with God for 
a lifetime. And he was teaching me how to walk with God for a lifetime through those principles of fellowship in the word of God. And then we talked about prayer. And uh, he gave me a little acronym for what it means to pray. P, to praise God. R, to repent or turn away from things that, you know, disturb or interfere with my relationship with God. A, uh, adoration, adore God or ask for things that you need for God to work out in your life. And why to yield means to surrender, to surrender to God. And I think that that is really the key to being a servant leader is that you just surrender to God and let him use your life, use the way you talk, use the way you walk, um, use the way that you live your lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of walking with Christ. And so those three principles really pointed me to what's the fourth principle. It was uh, witnessing, being a witness for Christ. Now we can do witnessing, but I think the key was to be a witness. And one of the things that I used to say all the time is, is really uh, sad when Christians don't have Christian friends because they need that fellowship. But it's even more tragic when non-Christians don't have Christian friends. And so I began to just reach out to people in that, in that way to be a witness, to be a representative uh, of Christ and his, his ways and his love his care, his forgiveness to other people. And it began to really dawn on me that that's really what Jesus was asking the disciples to do when they followed him. He was asking them to build a strong personal relationship with Christ. Because one of the questions that the disciples asked him, well, where are you, where are you living now? And then he just, he didn't tell them. He said, hey, come follow me. And so the principle is, you know, I can show you better than I can tell you. And that's what we should be doing as servant leaders. Uh, we should be serving people. We can show them how to serve because that's what Jesus did. Uh, Mark 10, 45 is one of my favorite verses. It says, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he was given his life to be a ransom for us. And he died in our place and he showed us uh, what God meant in John 3.16 when it said, for God so loved the world, so loved Cal, that he would give his only son that Cal could know him, that I would not perish and have everlasting life. So that was a personal uh, invitation. And God offers that. And as servant leaders and as coaches, we have the opportunity to model that servant spirit. We have an opportunity to love to care for people and whatever trials and tribulation and needs that they might have. And God places us in people's lives for that specific purpose. Well, around those four principles was uh, the thing that held it together is the obedient Christian life. And that's really the challenge. You know, God says he gives us his commands and those who obey his commands and keep his commands, those are the ones that love him. And so we can demonstrate our love to God by our obedience. Uh, Romans 8, 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you know, that's still a, a, a thing that I can't really get over that the perfect son of God who created everything to please him really lived a life that wasn't pleasing to him. And he died in our place and suffered for us. And so Christ and his call for us 
as his children, as believers, is not just to be saved, and that's a spiritual jargon word, or not just to have a personal relationship with God, but also to get up on the cross and suffer, if that need be his sake, for people to come to know him in a personal way, because that's really what the goal is. Um, one of the things that Juan challenged me to was the, the Great Commission. And I said, well, what's the Great Commission? And it was uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And he said, for God had given us these instructions, not the great suggestion, but the great commandment to go into all the world and make disciples. And he says, we're supposed to do this everywhere we go. And I think that once I figured out that he was trying to prepare me for a journey of making disciples all around the world. Uh, he ended up going to Japan on a summer missions project and challenged me to go on a missions project. And so here I am going on a missions project so I can grow my relationship with Christ. And I've kind of taken on that mentality that really a growth mindset as a Christian is to spend time with God daily and having a quiet time, um, having time alone with God, whatever you want to describe, a devotional where you're devoting time set apart to get to know God personally, because God does want to know us personally. He gives us that invitation, and that's part of his, his plan. And, you know, if you've ever heard of the four spiritual laws that God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life, and that's really true, that God offers that. And he proved it when he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And so I went through several years of going to missions projects in, in my summers just so I can grow and reach others you know, about that good news. And I say the good news, the gospel of Christ is good news because he took our place when he died on the cross for our sins. And so I began coaching with that mindset. And to master your mindset as a servant leader, you have to really put those things that you're learning into practice. And so I began to pray and trust God to give me some people to disciple. And so I began to challenge a couple of coaches um, Jeff Daniel was one of them and another guy was Phil Headley to a discipling relationship and I began to spend time with them just as one spent time with me uh, the principle that we were using was 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 when Timothy challenged, when Paul challenged Timothy you know the things that uh, I've been teaching you I want you to teach fat men or faithful men who are available and teachable and then teach them to teach others and so the grace of God in that first verse of Second uh, Timothy 2, it said, be strong in the grace. And that grace was provided to us by Christ. And if I use grace as an acronym, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. That grace was paid for. It was not something that God gave us lightly. It's amazing grace that we as sinful people could be redeemed. We could be uh, changed. Uh, our character could be transformed and because transformation is even more wonderful than seeing, you know, Jesus pull out five loaves and two fish and feed 4,000 people plus, but he gave them fish sandwiches from that miracle. But the transformation of our lives is on that level. When God comes into our life through the person of Christ, and he transforms us and we become more like Christ. And so our, our theme in those, discipling uh, relationships and in those groups 
was we wanted to know God. We wanted to be like God or be like Christ. And we wanted to make Christ known. And so we made that part of our philosophy that this is what God is calling every believer, not just uh, people that go to church, but every person that he's created. He wants them to have that intimate, personal, strong relationship with him. Why? Because he wants to know us. You know, uh, Tasha Cobb, uh, Leonard sings a song, You Know My Name. Come on now. Boy, that's when, my jam. Hear it, it's like, that's my oh, song you know now. My <laughs> the God of the universe knows my name. And so when you think of it as that, and you read your scripture, you begin to put yourself in the scripture and you can let God speak to you personally, that he knows your name. He knows what you're going through. He knows the struggle. He knows the, the things that you need in your life for provision. And so we begin to apply these things to our everyday life. Uh, and the challenge was for them to find other people to disciple because that's what Jesus did. We're only here because Jesus poured his life into those men. And those men were faithful, available and teachable and they poured their life into other men and women. And they begin to reproduce or multiply their lives in the life of others, in the life of others. That's what, that was Jesus's strategy. And I call it the Jesus strategy because he didn't have another strategy. You know, he had three years of ministry and his strategy was, okay, I'm going to take these guys who are ignorant and unlearned men. That's what they called them in, in Acts 4.13. But the people recognized that they were ignorant, unlearned men, but they also recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's the only requirement for changing uh, the world. And not so much just changing the world, but changing ourselves. Because once we are changed, then we're able to change the people that are around us. We're able to impact the people that are around us. And so I've spent years just being uh, in that mindset of my purpose is to know Christ, to be like Christ, and to make Christ known. And just from those early years of being discipled and discipling others, I just wanted to be able to go anywhere in the world and have that kind of impact for the Lord. Because we all know that Christianity didn't start here in America. It started... Uh, over in, you know, Northern Africa and in those Arab countries, that's where it started. But it has since been passed on from generation to generation so that it's impacted the world. Now the world is on the Internet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We can have these kind of discussion and people can be reached for Christ. And so I'm just really just tickled uh, pink because uh, I put on my pink shirt on and so that I could really begin to really enjoy this time of fellowship with you and, and your listeners. Listen, I'm I'm sitting here telling you and, and maybe it's the teacher in me and that's fine, but I'm sitting over here already with two pages of notes, like breaking it down. And, and first of all, you and I see eye to eye a lot of times because y'all, if you follow him on Twitter, one of the things that he says all the time, if he's feeling what you're saying and connected with what Christ is saying, then you he'll say, what you say? 
and <laughs> you right now, what you say? Right? Yeah, what? Yeah, what you say? And I got that I'm from my brother. He used to say that all the time. Then my brother used to say that, and it's like, man, I think I like that. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna start using that. But look, so, it really is. It truly encompasses. If I was on mute, but literally what I would be saying to how your delivery to this message, you know, even down to the five finger grip to the word. And it's amazing how you brought that to life. And and so often as servant leaders, right. And as people who are trying to establish a relationship with Christ, I love how you said, you said I was a churchian. And the thing about, I've never heard that first of all. So that was the first time I've heard that and I'm stealing that, but so many of us are. So many of us are, you know, OPB used to call it, you know, playing church, right? Y'all just mm. church, you know? And I remember that I, I grew up old school Baptist and I would hear that. And so when you say church, and a lot of us have done that because we don't really know what it means to build and establish a relationship with Christ. And so for you to speak about seeking that, to truly be intentional, servant leaders have to have that as a part of their plan to be intentional about learning him. You know, that's the same thing of any type of relationship. If you're not trying to seek and learn, it's going to always be on a, you know, what do people say? Oh, that's just my associate. We're associated, mm, associated right. with Christ. Right. Right. I don't want to be just associated with Christ. Right. I want right. to, I want him to be all through me. Right. I want him to see my works and say, what you say, Chelsea? <laughs> what you think? That's right. <laughs> But, but I mean, man, that, that was gold. And I'm sitting here like, I got to turn the page on you again. But I think that's so amazing just how you've placed what truly needs to be in our, our arsenals. And one of the questions I want to ask you is, and I'm sorry, y'all, you don't hear my pages turning. He had a lot no, of good. I had to get today, okay? But one of the things that I start in here is just talking about witnessing for Christ, right? And so one of those things that you mentioned is one of the reasons why Christ has giving me this platform to, as you say, be his mouthpiece is that, you know, the sports arena has the opportunity to truly connect all races, all genders, all backgrounds. It is the one place that all people from all places can cheer for the same team. And for that moment, right, we can have differences before that moment. We right. are here for the same team. Exactly. You know, we've seen over this past year prior to it, but definitely this past year, athletes being such huge advocates for such amazing and huge platforms that we see in right now. But one of the biggest things that we're starting to see transform is being able to, as I say, normalize athletes and coaches and faith in sports. So when we talk about witnessing and being a witness for Christ, one of the things I always ask and get perspective of is how can we work to normalize faith in sports to where individuals don't feel like, well, you know, I serve him, but mm, yeah, this is not the arena for me to say that he's good. How do you think we can work to start normalizing that within the sports arena? Well, I think um, the first thing that I really try to focus on is just really when you spend time with Christ, uh, your character is changed. Uh, the fruit of the spirit uh, will be evident in your life. The, the, the love will be there for people. The joy will be there when you're with people. The peace, the patience with people, uh, the faithfulness. When you're asked to do something, the faithfulness, the goodness. Uh, I can really say this almost, and maybe this is just me looking, but I feel like every person I've ever coached, I can always say I've never done anything but good to you. Uh, the, the, the patience, I mean, just 
the fruit of the spirit manifesting himself through us. Um, I had mentioned earlier about the, the Holy Spirit or Christ's spirit joining our human spirit. We have to nurture that in our time alone with God. And so when we're spending time alone with God, it changes us on the inside. The transformation happens inwardly, internally. And when it happens internally, we don't have to worry about so much of doing the rah, 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 rah. The glow of Christ's life, his life begins to emanate in the environment that we place ourselves in. And uh, our attitudes, our actions are lining up with the word of God. And when we're with people in those arenas, man, I think that there's a difference. I think that there is an uh, absolute difference in the way we go about doing our uh, coaching business. And I think that that is really the thing that I try to focus on. Okay, I got to make sure that I'm prepared to go on campus, that I'm in the right mindset. And I start that day off with my quiet time so I can have the mind of Christ, how he looks at people, how he cares for people, how he loves people, how he forgives people. We've all been wrong. We've all been done wrong and, and we've all been treated, been mistreated, but the forgiveness of Christ covers that, you know, that mistreatment. And we don't hold grudges. We begin to give people uh, the idea that no, we can, we can assume that that never happened and we can love them that way unconditionally like Christ loves us unconditionally. You know, it said that in the Bible that, that God showed us his love, that he didn't wait for us to get all cleaned up. He said we were still sinners. We were doing our thing. You know, we were wilding out and he still <laughs> loves us unconditionally to send his son in our place. And so I think that we've got to love people that way so that they can see that man this is real he, he loved me unconditionally even though i screwed up he still came at me with love he didn't come at me with hate he didn't come at me with you know i can't believe you did that but he came at me with let's talk this out let's let's reason together let's make sure that we have this understanding among ourselves that you know i loved you without your performance you know, you didn't score 20 points and 12 rebounds tonight, but I love you, you know, regardless of what you perform on the basketball floor. And so I think that unconditional love is crucial that we give people that and that they can see that in our lives. Gosh, I think that's a golden answer. I really do. And I'm always reminded um, by Christine Kane. Anybody that listens to me knows I love me some Christine Kane. I just really do because she puts it plain, right? You know, she has her accent. She'll tell everybody where she's from, but she puts it plain. And one of the things she said, she said, you know, we are God's love letter. Mm. You have people reading. And I'm, I'm telling you, when I heard her first say that, it literally blew my mind because I tell people all the time, you know, people have said in many ways, you know, sometimes we're only Christ people see. Sometimes we're only by right read you know right right the very thing that you're saying is that if I spend time with Christ you know we see little people all the time one of the things I love to do each year is I give my players a chance I say I know y'all mock us okay so we have a little team bond and team building thing and I'll tell them you know be coach Johnson for a second how do I sound and they have me to the T I know they do the T they say everything I say the hand on everything and we laugh and we joke but one of the things you recognize is 
even if it's like, okay, y'all joking, you know what I'm saying. You paid attention. Why? Because you spent time with me. Why? Because you paid attention to me. You studied me. And so the same thing that you're, you're saying holds true. We have to understand and develop that relationship with Christ. And when we can do that, even when we, we don't have to try anymore, it just comes out. As you said, it's, there's a glow to us that's mm. come and there's a stride that changes. When we walk into the room, we'll change the atmosphere. That's right. We've been in his presence. That's right. And That's what it right. sounds like from people, it sounds like this, y'all, to, to, to just in normal conversation is there's just something different about that person. That's how it sounds. That's what people mm-hmm. say. And what that difference is, is the love letter they're reading. Mm. We've all read some cards now. I'm a Hallmark person. I'll sit there. I'll get <laughs> my cards now, coach. I'm intentional. And we've read some cards. It's like, man, that made me feel that, you know? And so could you just imagine that person you mentioned it's, it's a sad thing when Christians don't have Christian friends. Yes. It's a tragedy when non-Christians don't have Christian friends. And so can you imagine every day where we work, where we roam, where we dwell, even going in the store, there's someone who sees us, reads our love letter, watches our glow, and we're not glowing. Mm. Mm. We're not glowing. So, so that first introductory piece that maybe they would have had a window of understanding, well, you know, I know they say she's a Christian. Right. She go to church, but boy, she just snapped my head off. Right. And a lot of times that's what happens in our walk, especially in this sports arena, because they see us one way and then it's like, wait, hold on. I don't see that glow. You right. Glow, right. You know, when you turn the lights off, we got to yes. all the time. And I think that's golden, coach. I think that's amazing. I, I think that was a, an amazing way that you broke that down to our listeners. And I appreciate that. That definitely helped me out too. You know, yeah. we know, and, and and I know what you do, right? But you got to tell me, okay, I'm sitting here talking to you. We having a good time, but how did you get your stride to be a part of the Nigeria Olympic women's basketball team? Talk us how you transitioned into that facet. Well, I think more importantly was, I believe that God has a plan for me. Um, Come on now. And in, and in John 10, 10, uh, you can read in your scripture, uh, Jesus telling the, the disciples that, you know, I have abundant life for you. And that abundant life is available. I mean, that's, that's the life that God has for us. And so, uh, you know, I've coached a lot of different places from division one at Alabama state uh, to high school at Pensacola High School for boys. I've uh, been a junior college head coach at Daytona State College. Uh, I've coached high school uh, girls at New Smyrna Beach High School. And so I've, I've, I've had a lot of experiences over these last 37 years, and you meet a lot of people. And so that connection uh, with that opportunity was forged from someone that I was in a discipling relationship with who had had a career end up being uh, an assistant coach uh, with the Sacramento Kings in the NBA and with the Golden State Warriors and coached professionally overseas. And so uh, that relationship forged 30-something years ago with Otis Hughley kind of established that opportunity for me to continue to, what I want to say is, fulfill the Great Commission because it is about reaching others with the love of Christ, with the good news 
that there is someone at home in the universe who cares about them personally. And so this, this invitation that he offers is extends to every person that's on the face of the earth. And we're talking about creeping on 7 billion people now or more. And so we're, we're looking at Nigeria just as another part of the journey um, of reaching people for Christ. It, I wouldn't say it was something magical that happened because people could spend their whole life and not even get a ticket to the Olympics let alone get the coach in the Olympics. And so um, I'm just a servant of God and God opened up the opportunity where he said, well, look, I need somebody who can share the love of Christ with these basketball players and I'm going to select you. I couldn't have seen that when I was 22 years old coaching at University of Montevallo, but it's like God had planned that and God prepares us for good works. And the works isn't to glorify ourselves. Uh, we're to bear fruit. And John 15 says we're to bear fruit. And, and it's all for the glory of God. And it's for God's glory. So I, I'm thankful that I get a chance to, to serve uh, these young women. Uh, they're professional basketball players. Some of them in the WNBA. Some of them professionals uh, overseas in Europe and other countries. Um, and so to me, it's just an honor to work with the other coaches that we have on the staff. And it's just going to be exciting to see what God does in and through us as we try to really reach that goal that every team that's in the Olympics tries to reach and that's to try to win the medal, gold medal. Coach, that's awesome. And I think one of the biggest things that you said and definitely, you know, connects with me is that God will bring you to a place and to a purpose into a journey that you won't ever see coming <clears throat> oh so, right. girl again y'all now okay anytime you listen to christine Tan- and coach if you don't i'm telling you right now christine kane podcast loads on monday and thursday listen to it okay? go ahead that's that's my plug for her you you won't- <laughs> and she says it consistently though coach she says impossible is where god starts that's right Miracles are what god does And the reason why is because he needs us to understand that it's him. It's not a wonder. It's not, Mm. it's not a, you should have won anything I had. You know, there's a song that says, uh, uh, Kier Clark here should say, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, God. That's right. And the best thing that you said is, it's not for personal gain and accolade. And for me to be boasted and lifted up, it's for the glory of God. That's right others to be able to see his good works like the word says and to glorify our father who's in heaven mm. and your humility just is speaking so loud because it's almost like oh that yeah that was god he gave me that position and this is what i do but we can do that it's the humility of the servant leader that recognizes that as you said before we can get started i'm the mouthpiece y'all mm. whatever he sends me i'll go off that's of the- right that's right. leader's message right there and coach you know the greatest thing about that and one of the amazing things about technology not you know especially within this past year as i tell people all the time you know a message will come from somebody from israel of course i don't know them but mm. and i want to know more about christ mm. and imagine the mouthpiece he moved when he sent you to nigeria mm. 
and, 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 and that's how he moves and that's how he works. But we as servant leaders, we as followers of Christ have to recognize that it's not for us. It's for him. It's that's right. Of Christ. So I'm glad that you pinpointed that. You know, I want to stop and pause for a second because uh, my boy, Coach G, he's not on here tonight, uh, but he always said, Coach, you get so carried away sometimes we have stuff to say. So <laughs> a point. I make it a point to ensure that our listeners who are on the call, if you have any question, comment, anything that you have to say to Coach or anything, I promise you it is family atmosphere, no raised hands. If you have anything for Coach about his message, or any question you would like to ask him, unmute yourself and you can have at it. I promise. I'm going to take a back seat for a moment. Okay. As they say, all hearts and minds clear before I, <laughs> I just had to make sure. I told them, I said, I'm going to make a point. I promise. Y'all get me so carried away, though, with y'all messages. I just get enticed to ask other things. But I appreciate it, Coach. You know, one of the things that I talk about all the time within this platform is, you know, just kind of working to make other people better. And we talk right. about the sports world. But, you know, in our world, right, recently, it's crazy as I was sitting there, we all I was sitting with my godparents yesterday and I said, it's amazing how, you know, when I was a kid, I used to hear my grandparents and my mom would say, you know, I remember when Emmett Till and I remember, and they would tell you all these historical moments that you read about in history books. They would tell you where they were when it happened. You know, I talked to people who told me about the sit-ins at North Carolina A&T and about sit-ins here in Tallahassee, you know, and it's crazy because you sit in tights like, wow, that really happened. And we all found ourselves in that moment yesterday. Mm. One of the things that I did, I was sitting with my godparents and I said, guys, that's exactly what I said. I said, it's crazy that I'm sitting here in a moment where I know I will talk about in 20 years. Right. My children. I know that I will be telling my nieces and nephews, y'all were little, but this is where we were. And I immediately was compelled when I walked into the house. It wasn't, of course, a scheduled call that we normally do. It wasn't this podcast that we're doing right now, but I turned my phone on to the podcast. And I said, there just has to be a word. There's a word from Christ. There has to be a prayer. Why? Because as much as sports unifies mm-hmm. our different positions, thought processes and mindsets, right? Right. A place like yesterday as a servant leader, and especially with you, you tap into multiple parts of the world. What would you encourage us as servant leaders, right? In moments like yesterday and moments like our everydays, unfortunately, where most people would say, and I get this question a lot, how can I continue to trust in Christ when all I see around me is negative? All I see around me is evil. And I hear you saying, trust in God. I hear you saying his will will be done. I hear you saying all of that, coach. I hear you. But how can I believe that when everything that I see on TV and social media is that of hate? And so the message that I had yesterday stemmed for the simple fact that you know, he asked us simply two things, a lot of things, but two main things. He specifically said, I just need you to love me with all your heart mm-hmm. and all your soul. And then he said, I need you to love your neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. Paul on here, that says, that, I mean, he, he reminds us all the time, love your neighbor. But unfortunately, coach, as easy as that sounds, that is one of the hardest things that seems to be able to ascertain and to demonstrate. What would you say to the coach, the leader, the servant leader 
And even the person who is trying to find their way that doesn't understand Christianity, how can I trust that Christ is still moving when, when I see out there, everything else doesn't fall according to his plan? Yeah, that, that's a challenge because um, we're, we're talking about real life situations. And I can remember being at Daytona State College as the head coach for the women and Trayvon Martin had just got shot. And, um, and as a servant leader at that time, what can I do to encourage uh, my players? Because the majority of them were, you know, African-American, Black, young women. Um, and so, yeah, you can pray. You can pray for Trayvon's family. Um, but I think that what I wanted to do was to be available for the players' ideas. And so there was a march taking place and the players wanted to go on the march and so I went along with them just because this was a a situation where they were confused about man what's going on in the world you know we do talk about Christ being all in all but none of these circumstances during that time fit that narrative uh, for them and so uh, as a servant leader I wanted to support them but as well because I was married at that uh, I'm still married at that time I had three sons who were Trayvon Martin's age and so it could have been my family and so what would I want other servant leaders to do and I want to say just be engaged with your players be engaged with them uh, have a, a hand on the pulse of their lives uh, having a relationship with them where they know you care uh, being available to do things outside of the box. Of course, that wasn't in our curriculum to go on a, a march. But, you know, I think that the, the, the times and in, in the Chronicles, I want to say um, maybe First Chronicles, uh, it talks about the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what to do. Uh, these are the kind of times where, as servant leaders, we need to understand the times that we're living in. We need to be readers of current events. We need to have answers. We need to be praying so God can give us solutions. One of the, the scriptures that my father gave me uh, very early on in my life was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. So if you really don't know what steps to take as a servant leader, try that one. Put your trust in the Lord. Ask the Lord to lead you. Ask the Lord to guide you. And I promise you, he will give you the steps that you need to take for the times in history in which we live. Because this is an exciting time in which to live. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous time. But to me, it's an exciting time because we're seeing history unfold every single day, especially in these kind of times that we saw yesterday. We saw... Um, a, a jury make a decision and it was a diverse jury it wasn't just you know black people making a decision but it was a diverse jury because people understand what Amos understood in Amos 5 in the Old Testament that justice needs to roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream and so that was the right thing to do God led them into doing the right thing and sometimes that doesn't happen in our world but in that particular situation I believe that that happened and we don't rejoice over the, the, the guy who did it, 
because Cain was a murderer in the Bible. And so we have compassion. We pray that he will come to know the Lord in that situation. We trust that God would repair his family because I know that they're in pain. And we know uh, George Floyd's family is in pain. And so I think that we got to really just be prayerful. Uh, this is the time that we can, can really have an impact in people and that we can say we're not talking about holding grudges. We're not talking about revenge. We're talking about love. We're talking about restoration. We're talking about making things right in this system that we live in, this judicial system that we live in. Coach, I couldn't answer that any better. I'm going to be honest with you. That was what you say worthy. I could not have answered that any better myself. I feel that, you know, it hits all cylinders for coaches, for athletes, for leaders, for anybody who's listening that is truly trying to be a better, as you say, fisherman of men. Um, and I think that's golden. And I think it's best that what you said is just paying to, attention to the symbolism of not only what that jury stood for, um, but just in, in general, as you know, I was listening to something Steve Harvey was saying on his morning inspiration. And he said, you know, these were different times and we didn't understand that what God was truly doing in this pandemic. He said, but you know, there was always just black, white, I'm with the right, I'm with the wrong. There was never a middle ground. He said, and what this pandemic allowed to happen was for that middle ground. He said, your middle ground still for the people who I don't believe in hate. I don't believe in this, but I don't know what to do. And the pandemic to the individuals of that, I don't know what to do and allowed them to be able to stand up mm. and over to the right side. And he said, mm-hmm. it was to just watch individuals that it didn't, didn't matter. We were one race. Right. right. Like Floyd family race. said, exactly. Come on now. And, and how God made us, right? right. It took his very essence of making the beauty of this different shades, creeds, races, all these things. The beauty and the artistry of what Christ made. And there was exactly. a worldly dissension. But what happened within this trial, and it almost was just like beauty for ashes, if I would have put mm. on it. Because just like the Floyd family said, they said, you know, at the end of the day, it was a loss. But this was America's trial. This was mm. a America was on trial and to watch how it transitioned right like the song says it's been a long time coming but a change don't come we don't always get it right it's not there yet but Mm -hmm. the transition like you said yesterday um, it gives you an excitement it gives you a bit of hope to 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 one understand that there is a move and I truly do believe that's right happened because as you said like we have to show that compassion right? We have to love. And that's what Christ said. We got to love one another, love your neighbor. Mm. And that was seen from literally all the way down to that jury, to the protesters, to the family, and just even unifying on those steps on every press conference. It did not what matter. It came from what you look like. It was mm-hmm. unified. And so that is the prayer every day. So coach, that was an amazing answer. And I appreciate that so much because I know it was a loaded question. Well, <laughs> Well, I think that when you, what you just said really kind of typifies that we are one nation under God. Yeah. And so I think that is a part of what we do, that we try to unify people. Yeah. And since every person is made in the image of God, God sees the uniqueness and he purposed for that to take place because the Bible says that one day every uh, knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Christ yeah. is Lord. But also, every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be at the throne, Come worshiping on. him for who he is. And so um, 
in that concept, we're striving as servant yeah. leaders to make sure we're part of that forming a more perfect union Come in our on. country. And so we should be a part of that and be excited for these opportunities that we have to do that. That's good, Coach. That's good. Now, Coach, you know, of course you listen to this, so you know what's coming. It's my favorite part. It is my final and favorite two questions that pretty much solidify you being a servant leader into this family. We're going to bring you in, okay? I want to be in. The I'm done. Servant down. leader race. <laughs> You know, that's it. That's it. You know, I tell people all the time. And again, if you are definitely listen to the podcast and take, you know, part into the live fellowship, I truly do every day, every day. And it doesn't run out. That's the crazy thing, coach. It doesn't run out. Mm. I specifically remind myself of what God is to me because Mm. day to day basis, when you do allow yourself to see outside of his will and outside of his promises, you can forget what he's been. You can forget what he promised to be. And so every day I remind myself of what he is so that no matter, as they old folks say, come what may, I know what he is and mm-hmm. I don't from that. And so sometimes I'll write it and like in my books and sometimes it's a mental Rolodex, but I'll go and I'll say, God is, you know, my healer. God is my provider. My God is my sustainer. And I will find myself like, oh goodness, girl, get up and get ready for work because I get lost and what he's allowed himself to be in my life, what mm-hmm. he's not being, so that I could be and to protect me. But you only get one. You don't get a Rolodex day. You only get one. So if I were to ask you, Coach Cal, God is blank. What would you say God is to you? Oh, boy, you you made that a tough one. Yeah, uh, I have to. I, w- I want to say um, God is daddy. Come on now. Um, because no matter how old you are, you can still climb up and sit on his knee Come on, and, and ask for what you need. It's in the room. Come on now. You know, it's in the room. Coach, so, hold on now. Coach, pause right there. Do you know that song? I do know that song. In fact, I'm about to run I out of here. song from listening to one of your podcasts. Come on and now. I said, I said, man, this thing right here is nourishing to my soul. And so the, the New Testament talks about Abba Father. Yes. He's intimate and he wants to be intimately known and we can know him intimately. And so whatever the cry in your heart, and we do have those burdens and Christ calls us to cast our burdens unto him because he cares for us. Yes. Uh, he, he calls us to come to him all who are um, heavy laden and burdened. And he said he will give us rest for our soul so i want to i want to say you know daddy i mean abba father that's if i could just choose one that would be it because you know i gotta get up on his knee because i'm hurt i'm in pain i'm suffering i'm struggling and i gotta be able to have access to him and it may not be early in the morning it may not be in the noonday it might be as the the preacher said in the midnight hour come on now when everybody in my house is asleep and so uh, one of the practices that my wife does, she goes through the alphabet and says one letter or maybe several of those until she gets to the end, who God is. But oh, I like that. I, I would start with D and say, Daddy, if I had to choose. I one. like that. She going to have me put a twist on mine in the morning. <laughs> Come yeah, on go now. Through the alphabet. Go through the alphabet. I like that. Oh, that's amazing. You know, and, and exactly that is one of my favorite worship songs. And, you know, again, 
y'all if you had to go listen to it i'm telling you it just makes everything all right it really does it really really does i know exactly i'm telling you right now he got me cutting up too coach welch i'm telling you the little little growl in there see that's what i'm used to (laughs) don't get back there coach look we'll take a praise break okay we'll take a praise break you know we don't mind we let the spirit move how he wants to move in here i love it but the song lyrics it simply says y'all it says it's in the room it's in the room. My father hears us. It's in the re- room. All fear is gone. Victory mm-hmm. done. Whatever you need. Y'all, whatever. Not some of it. Not maybe I can do it. Whatever you need, it's in the room. And that part gets me because it makes me, Coach, feel like, not even get on a tangent, but it makes me feel like, you know, a lot of things in life, you have to go through certain channels to get them. Mm. I go through certain levels to get them. In that song, and you sit there, you realize... I didn't tell you to move. Mm. It's in the room. That's right. All you got to do is believe it's here and claim what I've already promised you. It's that's here. Right. And that's, that's right. the part that takes me away. So I love that. And one of the other portions about that coach is, you know, I don't have my own kids. It's in preparation, right? It's in the room, right? Here we that's go. Right. Boom. <laughs> Look, you are a mama already. You ain't Come on here. That's that it. Baby, that baby getting fellowship right now. Right now, she's going to be so churchy, y'all. But one of the things I love about it is that when you watch kids and when you talk about God as daddy, when you watch kids, right, and you say, don't don't you get up, get off that before you fall. And with how many times they keep trying. And next thing you know, boom, they fall. And next thing you know, they come running to you. That's right. Don't say, no, I told you not to. Don't come to me. That's right. right? They cut up, you whoop them. They come to you, right? And mm-hmm. so- Christ, he says, don't do this. We don't. I'm telling you this. We don't listen. And even in the midst, when we run back to him, just like you said, he'll let us sit right on his lap. See, now I told your tale. He just goes ahead because he's daddy and he's going to still be daddy in spite of we move, we stray, we leave, right? That's right. Come on now, now, Miss Cochran. She said, he's in the room. Come on now. Don't y'all get See, they don't know. Y'all get me riled up. We'll be in here. I love it. That's it. Be still. Let me work. I got you. You know, well, you, go ahead, coach. Yeah. One of the things that as a father, and, and this one of the reasons why daddy came to my mind was God is going all the way to the end with us. Mm. He is going all, no matter where we are in, what station we are in our life, he is there. He's going all the way to the end. And I have three sons and they're grown now and, and they don't owe me anything, but I still owe them because they, they're my sons. And so no matter what's going on in their life, I've told them time and time again, that I'm going all the way to the end. And I can say that because God is going all the way to the end with me, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it looks like to my neighbor or my neighbor's neighbor. For me, he's going all the way to the end. And so that's, the security and comfort that the believer has that God promised that I will mm-hmm. always be with you. I will never forsake you and no yeah. matter what it is. And so I, I know we have struggles spiritually and mm-hmm. there's two things I want to touch on right quick. One is that our relationship with God is, is real. Okay. It's real, but also that relationship is established. It's established, meaning it's, it lasts forever. 
okay? Uh, so the relationship can't be broken because Christ died on the cross and paid the death penalty for our sins. So it, it can't be broken when we are in union with him. But the other thing is the fellowship with Christ. Now that can be broken. You know, I've been married a long time. And when I do something my wife tells me not to do, man, she mad. Or if she does something that, you know, upsets me, then I'm mad. The fellowship gets broken, but the relationship established. The relationship has a permanent peace in it. And so I can say God's going all the way to the end because he, he established that it's permanent. It's not based on our condition. It's based on our position. And our position yes. is in Christ. It's, it's, it's eternal. That's why they call it everlasting life. And so uh, in John 17, it says, and you will know Christ, and that is eternal life. Knowing Christ is eternal life. And so I want to just encourage anyone in that situation to, to just really buy into the fact that no matter what you're going through, God is going through it with you. Jesus went through every struggle that we've ever faced. It said that he was tempted in every way, just as we are, but he was without sin. So he knows what you feel like when you go through that he knows how it feels he was forsaken he was rejected he was let go so to speak and so i want to just encourage anybody who's there just to keep holding on keep seeking the lord keep trusting him keep putting your hope in him because god is a god that turns things around i've seen it in my own life he'll turn it around won't he do it yes he will don't you get me started now. See, I be trying to tell y'all. Look, see, I love Coach Welch. I'm telling y'all right now, because see, Coach Welch coming up next week. <laughs> see, <laughs> to my guy all week long, and he come next week. But see, I can deal with y'all, because y'all y'all do my kind of carrying on. But I'm telling you, it's something hit in my spirit. There's a mother, and she was, and my grandma would too, but there's a mother was singing at church when you said, uh, our relationship with God is real. And I just thought about real, real. Jesus is real to me. Oh, yeah. Gives me the victory. So people doubt him, but I can't live without him. And she said there, that is why I love him so. Jesus is real to me. I, I'm telling you. And I'm sitting here, I'm throwing my pen because I can't throw nothing at you. If you <laughs> we throw stuff what at you. Say? Okay. But I'm telling you right there, like it, it truly is one of those things that kind of push you and just shake you inside because no matter what we do, right, the relationship is there. He promised that. Right. Even though like your wife say, he ain't tell us to move. Lord knows we be moving though. Right. The fellowship may break, but a relationship is there. And I don't care how many times you stray. He's not going to be finicky like people. That's He's right. Right there, ready. Like that quote say, if if you move, if if the, the there's a break between you and God, who moved? Because he did. That's right. That's right. He did it. And so That's at right. the end of the day, we have to bring ourselves back to Him. But I'm telling you, I'm sitting here like Miss Cochran. I'm telling you right now, I ain't moving. But God is waiting with open arms, isn't He? Come on here. The, the prodigal Come son. It said that He was looking for His son, and it said He saw Him afar off. He's been looking for, he's been waiting for his son to come back. So that's how God's love is. It's always waiting for us. It's oh always waiting for us. Come on, coach. You know, I think about when you, there's a lottery ticket. Y'all promise you I'm going to get y'all out of here. It's just it's coach fault. It's coach fault. But I'm going to tell you, I'm still, and I'm still stuck here. It's, wait, is Miss Andrea or Andrea Co Cochran? Andrea. Is that, 
Andre, that's Andre, is that your wife? Okay. Yes. Hey there. Yeah. So let me tell you, it's your wife's fault too. Because I'm telling you right now, that's what's getting me. Because I think about, you know, those awards and you buy, uh, you know, a little uh, raffle ticket. And what they tell you, you must be present to win. You must be present to win. They can call your number and your name right, out. Right. You to stay in the room. Okay. Because see, I'm ready to bless you and you keep straying and leaving from my right. way. But right here in order and you must be present to win. Stay in right. his presence stay in right. his field to get your well, will and get your and, blessing and, and that's really perfect because my pastor uh clarence edwards used to say when we move he said god said i'll see you when you come back around come on i'll see you when you come back around so the lord still will be there if you move and he'll see us when we come back around that's come on. exactly right come on. see i'm gonna leave here like the say i'm gonna leave that long <laughs> I'm gonna leave that alone because see you know coach Welch he doing it on purpose and I know he is because he's talking about y'all don't know about that commission I'm running to Jesus don't you start I'm telling you right now y'all be trying to round and round me up okay because I still got one more question or you're not gonna be fully initiated into this servant leader family okay? <laughs> come on let's get me in let's get me in coach. put me in the game I love it in the game coach this is the servant leader platform and as anybody would know you know uh, of everything that we talk about. I talk about normalizing faith in sports. We talk about, you know, understanding <clears throat> positions. We chase for better positions. It's that time of the year where you see multiple coaches getting different positions. You see most of people in the sports aspects changing <clears throat> drafted, right? right. WNBA rosters for the summer camp. And so at the end of the day, no matter the position that we go, no matter the rank that we go, it's not about the position. It's who positioned us. That's there. right. That's right. It's who positioned us there. And so like servant leadership, you have done an amazing job with modeling that and laying that out plainly today. But one of the things I'm doing, I'm on a mission to talk about servant leadership, but to truly give people a definition, a true definition of what that looks like, what that should be as we walk and model that to our leaders, to our athletes <clears throat> that we lead on a day-to-day basis. So if I were to ask you, Coach Cal, servant leadership, two words, can take on so many definitions, but I'm asking you, what is servant leadership to you? Um, I, I think that my experience in, in terms of just being a coach, I've seen it modeled. Um, I think of Rob Spivery uh, as a servant leader. Um, he was my head coach when I was an assistant at Alabama State. Um, before practice, he would be pushing the dust mop. Um, up and down the floor, getting it ready for practice. And I said to myself, we have managers for that because I was kind of the guy that was in charge of the managers. And, and, and I saw him doing that and I said to myself, self, there's no job beneath him. There's no job as the head coach that he's not willing to do. Uh, like I said, I was, I was over the manager, so I had to make sure the uniforms were washed and everything. And uh, one night after practice, um, we were, I was with the managers making sure everything was done right. And he was telling me to go home. And he said, I'll do it. And here's the head coach telling me to go home and he would finish the job. And it was like, when I become a head coach, that's how I'm going to be. There's not going to be any job in the program that I'm not willing to do. And so him being an assistant under Nolan Richardson, 
I guess I would be a grandson of Nolan Richardson. Um, I can just see that for every coach to take on that mindset of any job in the program, you have to model that. It's one thing to talk about it, but it's another one to be about it. And so we have to really show people, like I said earlier, I can show you better than I can tell you. We have to really show people this is what it looks like. And, and since I had that model for me, I knew that's the kind of coach I wanted to be. And so that was very early on in my coaching career. I just have been practicing that, practicing the presence of Christ, doing that job, doing whatever it took, you know, uh, no matter what, I'll, I'm, I'm going to give it everything I got. And I saw that model through Rob Spiber. And I can't thank him enough for, for modeling that for me because you don't have to do that if you're the head coach. You can just point to this one and do that and point to this one and do that. But, man, like you said earlier, people want to see a sermon rather than read one or hear one. And so I think that's true for us coaches as servant leaders. Man, they want to see that servant leader, that coach in action. What are you about? Are you about making sure whatever it takes gets done for the benefit of one, the players, because it's all about the players, but for the benefit of the players in the program. And we have to be willing to make those kind of sacrifices because that's what it takes. And it takes what it takes. That's good, coach. No job too big, no job too small. So I'm going to tell you right now, because you can imagine if Christ said, I, I don't have to do this. They're too small for me. Because let me tell you something right now. We too small for him. I'm just going to put it out there right now. We mm. too small for him. Mm. As servant leaders, there's no job too small. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the ultimate and template servant leader was Jesus Christ. And That's right. Small for him. Yet he serves us every day. That's right. We just he put on our... We put on our towel. I don't have a towel with me. Come we on. put on our towel and start Come washing on, wrap feet. it up. I told you I'm old school yeah. Baptist. I know. Yeah, we okay. start washing feet and just Come wash on now. people's socks off. Come that's, on now. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to serve their socks off. And if we do that, then we would have established, man, this is what it's all about. Come on now. Serve their socks off. And let me tell you what happens with that. When you start serving people's socks off, even the very people that you know, may have talked about you, may not agree with you, have been against you when you serve their socks off. And as you said, give that glow that you had. Mm. I'm telling you, it turns things around. It'll have you a different light. It'll have mm. people speaking that never spoke. You better say it. Serve their socks off. Here you go. What, what you, you say? say? <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I came with you. I'm telling you right now, this message has been so powerful. Uh, it has truly been one, you know, for the books. Honestly, I'm sitting there, I had to turn, I'm about on page four with you. Uh, but coach, you truly have served our socks off tonight. You mm. truly have laid out many of the templates of what we need in order to be not only servant leaders, but as you say, to be able to be that sermon that people need to see, right? In order mm. to flow that people need to see in life so that they can say, there's something different about them, but what they'll learn, much like my boy Chris Crowder at Georgia State, he'll say when they say what's different about them, they are intrigued to know. And once they do, mm. it's time to glow up. If that's, that's right, then and let them know. Right. You want to know what's different? You want to know. That's it. Make them want to know and serve. That's right. 
off. Make them thirsty. You have been, you've been, that's it. You have been amazing. And I appreciate the message I tell you before. And I'll say it again. Time is the most important thing in life. I can't return it to you. I can't exchange it out for you. You're not getting this hour back. You're just not. Hour, 16 minutes. You're not getting that back. But I appreciate it, Coach, because it was definitely time well spent. I know that I have grown. I know that if individuals who are listening to this and listening today, they're going to grow from it simply from you just being what you said before we even got to start it. Chelsea, I'm just this mouthpiece. So I thank you for being this mouthpiece today. I really do. I appreciate it. It's been an honor for me and just a privilege just to kind of get this iron sharpening session in because you sharpened me today. I, I feel like it was an hour invested in my life and I appreciate you being a part of my journey and the things that you shared. I'm telling you, I'm going to take it all the way to the Olympics in Tokyo. Okay? Come on here. You better do it. <laughs> Look, and I'm going to be following you, too. I'm going to be following you, too. You got a whole crew of servant leaders behind you now, cheering you on and, you know, appreciating you just for what you do. So just know that you've sharpened us as well. And much like what you said, that's what we're supposed to do, right? That's right. You're the best. It is a tragedy. Uh, it is sad. Sorry, when Christians don't have Christian friends, but it's a tragedy when Christians don't have non-Christian friends. So let us charge ourselves to have both. And I'm That's thinking- right. I'll call you friend and, and put you into this family. I really am. That's right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Coach, if you don't mind, do you mind closing us out with a prayer today? I'm a little bit scared. Absolutely. You, and not in a scared way, but I've been telling y'all my knee been acting up and you already been cutting up today. So I'm going to let you pray. I'm just going to, you know, hold on to my seat a little bit. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Bow our heads if you're at home and if you're listening, we just pray, Lord, that you would allow us to continue to draw close to you because you promised that if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. And that's our, that's our desire, Lord, is to stay close to you. Uh, when we stray, we get in trouble. We get distant from you. We can't feel the fellowship. I, I thank you, Lord, for how you put people in our lives uh, to encourage us. And we thank you for this ministry, the, the servant leader, that you would uh, bless her and bless this a young, young one that she's carrying, that you would keep her healthy and strengthen her and that they would have good times of fellowship and that word would be spoken to her like she received tonight. We just pray that there will be moments where they can just be quiet in your presence, that you would just continue to bless her, bless the speakers that have gone before me, the ones that are coming after me. We just pray that you would use this to let your kingdom be felt all around the world is our prayer. There will be a global impact and that people's lives will be changed because they feel the love of Jesus. They see the love. They can uh, see that you are so concerned and that you're interested in having a personal, intimate, strong personal relationship with them. It's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, now. I appreciate it. So my favorite line of the evening, you are now a part of the Servant Leader family. Yes. yes. <laughs> we are glad to welcome you in my brother and if you ever need anything all you have to do is reach out i appreciate it god bless no we appreciate you guys thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you all next time